Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 29 of the Tax Security Podcast. And we're here at Cisco Live 2012. Uh, we're set up here in the mezzanine level. Um, we've got quite a few different tech engineers here with us. And uh, right as soon as we set up, guess who walked by? It was uh, a guest we had on last year, Werner from Germany. How are you doing, Werner? Hey, very good. Excellent. We're very excited to see you. And, and all of our listeners can't see, but he is representing with a tax security podcast shirt. All right. Wearing it proudly. The black one this yes. year. And, I, and you <laughs> were showing nice. me your sunburn. So yes. how'd you get that? What's going on there? On the seawall. On the seawall? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we've had some really beautiful days here in San Diego, so that's, uh, you know... Yeah. Not too, uh, not too surprising. Yeah. So um, ha tell us about Cisco Live so far for you. Have you what, what are the, some of the good sessions you've been to? Yeah, really good sessions. Yeah. The firewall performance was one of them. Oh, okay. Uh, Andrew Ossipa. Andrew Ossipa. Yep. yep. Yeah. And TrustSec and how to mystify and demystify <laughs> the TrustSec was also good. Yeah. Okay, good. Excellent. So you got any others uh, uh, planned that you're excited about attending? Yeah, I also do the recertification right now. Oh yeah, for okay. my CCIEs. So you took the CCIE security test, or no, the routing and switching this routing time. Switching. Okay, the basics. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough one. Well, good deal. So um, I think last time we talked to you, you were doing um, some deployments and some some large-scale network stuff. Have you worked on anything really interesting uh, the last over the last year that you want to share with everybody? Yeah, it's all um, for the. A large-scale remote access VPN. Ooh, wow, remote wow. access VPN. Yeah. And did it go without a hitch perfectly? Yeah, the hitch perfectly, yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, what, what are you using for that uh, remote access? Are they doing clientless, um, AnyConnect, or IPsec? Or what IPsec. Yeah. IPsec, great. Yeah, and then in the plane to switch over to AnyConnect 3. Okay. Oh, Have you nice. run into any challenges in large-scale yeah. deployment? Too you always have very interesting <laughs> challenges. <laughs> oh, no challenges. <laughs> no challenges. I'm going to swap out here for uh, Jay Young Taylor. He's our VPN expert. Maybe uh, he can answer any any connect questions you might have, seeing as how you're going to be migrating soon. Here we go. We're going to switch over to other Jay. What I'm a seamless in. transition. I'm tagging in. All right. Sorry. What was that question? We don't have one yet. No. We're, we're getting to the question. We're so getting to the question. He's doing large-scale deployments of VPN and transitioning from IPsec to AnyConnect. Okay. Okay. So tell us what challenges you ran into. Yeah, when you have, for example, 2,500 concurrent users, yeah? what are the performance issues then? Switching from IPsec to AnyConnect. Actually, basically no performance issues. What, you're gonna be c what you can do is on the ASAs, you can run IPsec and SSL side by side. As a result, um, it's literally just the difference between changing which tunnel group you're going to connect to is yeah. going to change which um, co uh, connection pro uh, protocol you're going to use to connect. Now the SA has a crypto chip that has many calls available so you can use um, some of the calls for the IPsec acceleration and some of them for the SSL. So you should be able to cleanly and smoothly transition groups of any connect user, uh, IPsec users to any connect on the same infrastructure that you have currently in place. Okay. When you have also for the ASA, yeah, for the security, I will switch to security. When oh you have uh, with the glassy look <laughs> in <Yeah>. his eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn, David. No. I know. Yeah, come on, David. Come in blazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you have a cluster, yeah, with um, the firmware version nine, yeah, from the ASA operating system, mm -hmm. which is coming sooner, I think. Yes, so, it yeah. is. Yes, it is. Yeah. 
when you have a cluster with five firewalls? In which way you make a backup and the restore? Backup and restore of, of everything. Of the configuration? No, not only the configuration, or the, the software, the profiles, everything. Yeah, so I mean... So this uh, is a challenge in the field, yeah? It is a challenge, right? Yeah. The nice thing about clustering, though, is that uh, each box has the same exact config, so it's just like in failover mode yeah. where the configs are identical, yeah, right? With two the boxes, it's easy, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And configuration, but when you have uh, certificates, yeah, profiles, and more than two boxes, yeah? For example, five or six boxes yeah, in a cluster environment. Mm -hmm. This is the challenge. It is challenging from so an operational a perspective. Yeah, in my opinion, this is a security question right now. <laughs> <laughs> Come I on, mean, guys. The, the backup doesn't change, though, um, in yeah, a cluster backup environment. Backup is easy. The, the backup, and, and well, it's the same as today. I mean, just because it's in a cluster has no bearing really on, uh, you know, if it was standalone or in failover. Um, you know, it's the same operation, the same, you know, from a technical perspective, it's the same uh, steps that you take to backup and restore that you do today. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing special at it from uh, a, in a clustering environment. From an administrative point of view, that entire cluster really is still a single point of administration. You know, where you're only going to really be accessing one of those units to your configuration, your backup, your restoring, and a lot of those features are going to be um, on that single unit for those different features. So um, it's all be being done th essentially the way you are right now. Yeah, but with one device. From my experience in the field, when you make it the restore, yeah, from different stages and steps you need it, yeah, mm -hmm. that is challenging, yeah. Yeah. With two boxes, no problem. It's all described on CCO, yeah. <laughs> but with five boxes, do it, <laughs> and you see it. Yeah, you're going to be just managing, you know, connecting to one ASA and using that as your management station, and then. Uh, to monitor the different units in the cluster, you're going to run commands that are going to get replicated, and then um, you'll yeah, be able to get information from all of those. Um, that is a good point, Jay, yeah? the replication, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, and um, it's actually really neat how uh, the clustering solution handles connections that are coming into all the different firewalls, and how do we do redundancy so that if yeah. one of the firewalls fails, you know, we need to pull that. First thing we need to do, obviously, is shut down the interfaces so the Ether channel goes down and he's no longer receiving traffic. But then all those flows that were owned by that ASA have to be load, ba you know, load balanced and distributed out to other, other firewalls in the cluster. And it works. I mean, Magnus and I have been running it in our lab. We've got a unit of, we've got a three-unit cluster. I think it's, yeah, it's a cluster of three right now. Yeah, and um, we run all our production traffic through it, and we go down and power it off and turn it on, and it, it works, you know. It, okay. It this is the best way to test it, yeah? Yeah. To, to plug the power off, yeah? Yeah, we, we yeah. plug the power off. We do a crash info force page fault on one of the units. Um, we'll crash the master uh, just to, s you know, see what happens, right? Yeah, and yeah. We're, we're playing around with the product before it's released, uh, pre-FCS, just so that we can, it's not so much, uh, you know, there's a big lengthy QA cycle that the product goes through, but Magnus and I are working on how do we get the little tweaks that the TAC needs to support yeah, it. Yeah, how yeah. do you visualize all the, this is a new paradigm for our firewalls, how do you visualize all the traffic going through it and how do you effectively troubleshoot, you know, a, a cluster that could pass, you know, could have, 80 million connections or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that is very important. That's, that's and and those connections go in one firewall, come in, you know, come out another one, right? And are passed between the two and the yeah, cluster, right? That is Troubleshooting that flow is that a, was a, a question challenge. I had two years ago, Jay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's with uh, firewalls that are in the failover and they are distributed yeah. over 50 miles away? Yeah. Right, and a big 
with all the replication and redundancy between the units and the cluster, it's important that that cluster control link that they use um, to communicate and establish that redundancy that needs to be a very high at a very high speed because what happens if a connection gets built um, the SYN packet for a TCP connection goes through ASA1 but then the return SYNAC is going to go through ASA2 and that SYNAC is received by ASA2 before the connection got replicated. Yeah, and that is an issue, yeah. Well, we've come up with some interesting ways to uh, deal with that problem but again, you know, it's, um, it's going to be interesting how customers want to deploy this and it's really, we're really focusing it towards a data center model. It only runs on the 5585 and the 5580. Uh, but customers always do interesting things with our products. We never thought they would. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to troubleshoot. You know some of those problems if they come into the tax. Troubleshooting in a whole new world. That's, that's right. Basically what it's going to be. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Yep. So. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you, Warner. We yeah. appreciate yeah, you man. coming. Thank Good to you. see you. Another year gone by, and yeah, uh, you're busy. looking just as young as you did last year. That's right. Oh, no, come on. <laughs> 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 Thanks a lot, Warner. Thank, thank you very you. much. All right. Cool. Okay. Here we are, guys. Look who we found. A very special guest. Dun, Roaming dun, the halls dun. at Cisco Live. It's Andrew Yevchenko. Andrew Yevchenko, how are you doing? Oh, great. Excellent. So you were an escalation engineer in the TAC, and now you are doing something different. Tell everybody what you're up to. So I'm doing a technical marketing engineer job, uh, and that job relates to IPv6 transition. So for 10 years, I've been trying to cut the wires, <laughs> and now I'm trying to make new wires on IPv6. All right, you're the... I think you're the number one IPv6 advocate. Uh, you're just crazy about IPv6. What are some of the homebrew um, electronics projects that you have done that have included IPv6 connectivity? Well, I have uh, the gadget that controls my heater. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew it. I, I didn't know anything specifically, but I knew that he would have some IPv6. He has to tinker with I know. everything. Yep. Well, that's good. Any others? Any other good ones? Uh, well, that was the only homebrew electronics project I did recently. Did you yeah. uh, control that like with an Arduino or some? No, I just used the bare bones controller, so which talks via USB to a small PC, which is connected to the Ethernet. Okay, so IPv6 migration. I mean, uh, that's a huge topic on people's minds here today. So. What are some of the things you've done, uh, people you've talked to, events, talks you've given that have to do with IPv6? So I've been uh, working on the uh, infrastructure of the wo uh, several events in the past, and that's uh, still a work in progress, I would say, by, by large. Hey, my yeah. iPhone, if I go to test IPv6 or whatever, it says I'm IPv6 capable. Right, so, so that's... We uh, can thank you for that. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, if it works, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> no, it does. It works. If it works, <laughs> I did it. If it doesn't, it's not me. <laughs> exactly. So what, uh, what was yeah. involved with getting that going for this conference? Uh, well, so first of all, the difficult part is the scale. Yeah. Uh, because conference like this is a big, big, big thing. Right? Yeah. So, and the variety of different clients that you get is also something staggering. And mobile, right? And, yeah, and, and all these things have their IPv6 stacks turned on by default now. Exactly. All yeah. of these things have uh, v6 stack turned on by default, and uh, all of these things, if they cannot get on wireless, then they try to make their own wireless as well. So that that makes sometimes the life of wireless guys very difficult. Uh, but talking about v6, uh, yeah, so v6 is a bit chattier than IPv4, mm -hmm. uh, and some clients have uh, also like their particular way of uh, accessing the network. So you need to tune the default timers uh, on the wireless sound controller. So. We recently had IPv6, World IPv6 Day, and obviously you're very much involved in that. Can you tell us uh, any learnings from that? 
Right, so IPv6 Day was actually last year. So this year we had the World IPv6 launch, uh, and that was different from last year, in a sense that last year it was more uh, an event, let's turn it on and see if anything blows up. So nothing blew up, and this year uh, the same players basically uh, said, okay, well, let's turn it on and leave it on. So since 6th of June, if you go to google.com, if you do the lookup of the Quad A record, uh, then you will see that google.com has the IPv6 address. And that is no more uh, dependent on the whitelisting because they had the V6 addresses for a very long time, but they were whitelisting. So now Google, uh, Facebook, Yahoo, and a lot of other websites, uh, they have V6 addresses. But we, uh, you know, a lot of major communications uh, and telecom companies monitored, right, during the day when, we, when the Internet turned on IPv6 indefinitely, right? Was there, uh, you know, we noticed that at Cisco, at least, there was no major or even minor problems that we could even detect. Um, you know, as part of that consortium of, of companies, what, was there any learnings from it? Was there anything that uh, came out of it? So, well, pretty much everything that uh, could have been learned was learned last year. So this year so it was, was... a big non-event. Yeah, this year adoption. was even yeah. more non-event than last year. So last year was pretty much that's non-event. That's good. It was yeah, like that's Y2K. More or less. Internet well, 2K. Yeah. Internet 2K. Yeah. Yeah. Internet yeah. 2K. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Andrew. It was great to talk to you. Great to see you again. Oh, thank you. As always. Thank, thank you, you for inviting So now we have uh, Mr. Randy Rivera with us, who is the SGM or Co SGM. Co SGM, which is the uh, session manager for the security track here at Cisco Live. So for those listeners that have never attended a Cisco Live and uh, are in the security area, how would you describe what this conference is and what it's about? It's to give our customers hands-on experience or knowledge around a specific technology within security, say, for instance, VPN, firewalls, uh, IPS, at a different level. It could be a, a 1,000 level or a 2,000 level or a 3,000 level. 1,000 being intro, in, intro 2,000 being intermediate. intermediate. 3,000 advanced, expert. and we have a 4,000, which is an expert exactly, level as well. Exactly. So you're really good at this. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, we, we bring on customers from all over the world, and it makes it a lot easier for them to come here to the U.S. than, you know, travel in their own countries at times. It's a lot cheaper to travel here than there. And so, uh, you know, we've got over seven, 17,000 attendees for this event, and it's wow. a big number. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Randy. We really thank appreciate you. you stopping by yeah, and thanks. joining us on the Tax Security Podcast Cash Show. Thank you guys for all your work. Well, uh, we have a guest here with us, uh, Craig. And, uh, well, we're here at Cisco Live 2012 in San Diego, sunny San Diego. So, uh, Craig, how are you enjoying the show so far, and what's up? It's good. I like it. You having a good time visiting all the booths? And yep. Have you been down to uh, the TSC, the Technical Solutions Clinic? Yep. Good people down there, right? Yeah, yeah yep. I, well, I've been down there a couple times. Best oh. part is I rented a bike on Sunday. I've ridden all over. Oh, and with the weather that we've been having, that must be a beautiful endeavor. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So um, we've got a handful of experts here with us. And uh, earlier I mentioned some questions about uh, certificates, I believe. Um, yeah. What's up? Like, uh, I, I want to do a certificate-based authentication. Mm-hmm. So I load a certificate in my browser. I want to be able to access my VPN with that or a host inside our network. Okay. 
Okay, so are you looking to do clientless based SSL VPN or um, AnyConnect to to build a full IP IP based VPN? Yeah, it'd be an AnyConnect SSL. Okay, and um, so basically, what happens is when the client connects to the ASA, the ASA says, "Give me a certificate," and these are the CAs that I can authenticate you with. So the browser takes that and says, "Okay, I have a certificate that matches that." It offers it up and it sends it up to the ASA. The ASA can then validate you, and if you're in the network, or if it's a trusted cert, you can do authorization based off fields off that certificate, and then give the user whatever access policy you want. Okay. So it, it, it's pretty simple. Um, first thing you obviously want to do is get AnyConnect working with just like a username and password. Confirm that you can get all the policies that you want, and then switch over to using uh, certificate-based authentication. All right. Is there a way to lock down certificates for IP ranges? For IP ranges, yeah. well, what you can do, right, is you can match. If you get this certificate, we can apply this VPN filter so that you can only get to these certain subnets. Okay. Either you can do uh, split tunnel lists, uh, dynamic access policies can apply VPN filters, or you can do that through group policies. Okay. What, what do you use to manage the certificates? What do I don't have too much experience with um, actually managing PKI. I, mean, I just usually have a Microsoft CA authority okay. running as part of my Active Directory domain, and then I give out uh, certificates based on membership to the domain. Oh. And if you could need to revoke one, how does that work? Where okay, so if, if you need to revoke, you just go into the uh, certificate authority, you right-click on the cert that's issued, and you say revoke. The Microsoft CA is going to build a revocation list that includes the serial number of the certificate that, you've just, that, that you issued that you want re redacted, right? And um, then the next time you try to authenticate, the ASA's going to go do the whole authentication and authorization, but then it still does, hey, is this certificate still valid check? So it's going to go poll against the CA server, say, give me the list of all the certificates you revoked. If your number is on it, we ain't letting you in. I see. Great. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty complex, albeit relatively straightforward process. Um, so, you know, questions like these are, are great to ask. You know, we have a lot of really good experts around here. Um, on the topic of certificates, have you been to any of our, you know, different VPN breakout sessions or any specific sessions here that uh, really tickled your fancy or were really exciting? No, I've been taking routing sessions and stuff like that. Oh, fantastic, Things fantastic. Like yeah, GRP and BGP and stuff, so. There is actually a session offered by, I believe, uh, uh, something Herney that, um, actually goes across how to manage and integrate MSCA into Cisco products. Oh, really? So that might be uh, very applicable. So it's one of the PDFs that come with the conference then. <laughs> yep. yep. Or you can go on to uh, Cisco Live 365, and uh, it may even be one of those recorded sessions that you could actually watch the entire one mm -hmm. or just, again, oh. follow along with sort of the PDFs. Sure, that's pretty slick. Okay, next up we uh, met up with Desmond in the hall. And uh, Desmond, you're coming in from where for Cisco Live? Where are you, where are you based uh, out of? Uh, DC right now. Okay, yep. DC. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, what sessions have you seen so far? Anything interesting? Any good sessions? I've seen, yeah, a lot of good sessions. Security, I'm okay. uh, mostly uh, concerned about security. And, Is that uh, what you specialize in? Are well, you a security no, guy? Uh, enterprise okay. networking, but security I'm looking to develop more into. So I take a lot of security sessions. Okay, so that's like firewalls, firewalls and VPN VPNs, and all that? Yeah, okay. yeah, took uh, that and also have some more troubleshooting. Okay. Firewall. Have you heard of our podcast before? 
I have not. I've heard of it from Jay just recently, yes. Okay, cool. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, And uh, do you have any, we were talking about WebVPN. Do you have any questions that we can answer for you? I do. Um, I was looking, um, in our current network, we want to set up a WebVPN um, connecting to an external uh, site, and they want to come into a WebVPN to our through our site connected by 2950-51 routers. I want to know how easy is that to set up or is it very difficult or how is, how is that done? And so I, should, I should mention that we have Tom Alexander, uh, Escalation with uh, VPN, and we've okay. also got Jay and Taylor here. So Firewall Guy, I'm going to back out and let you guys take this. So uh, for, uh, for when, you, when you're saying WebVPN, you're using the clientless WebVPN. You're trying to use a browser yes. to connect. That's correct. So you want to connect from... Uh, a PC or machine to the uh, iOS WebVPN portal and then be able to connect to a website? Uh, well, actually, they're uh, an external site that w- they want to come in and connect to, uh, I guess, uh, a device back on our side of the uh, the router. And what are they going to access once they're uh, connected? A, a server, which... Uh, Is it HTTP-based, yes, uh, yes. a web yeah. server? Uh-huh. Okay, so uh, basically what you do is you enable WebVPN, you know, and you say what IP address it's going to use. It's going to use the outside IP address, and you set up authentication for users, you know, and what SSL encryption you want to use, and you need to have either a self-signed cert or preferably a, a, a cert that is issued by a public CA, you know, like Entrust or, you know, Komodo or mm-hmm. one of those uh, trusted CAs so that, you know, the user who's going to connect knows that he's connecting to a trusted um, router, mm-hmm. you know, to, okay. to prevent any man-in-the-middle um, uh, man attacks, you know. Okay. So um, then, you know, once, you, once the user logs in, he gets a portal and then he just clicks on that um, link and then he gets access to that server. Okay. Now... Do you have to have it clientless, or do can they install something on their desktop? Or yeah, so you you also have the option of using AnyConnect, which is the full full tunneling or full client. Okay. You know, it installs using Java or ActiveX into your machine, um, and then it it just acts just like the IPsec VPN client, where it's okay. sending traffic. You know, so then you can access the server directly. Okay. So is there an, uh, is there um, any possibility that in the future you're going to be doing more than just browsing this website? Because maybe it makes sense to set up instead of a clientless web connection, you know, for WebVPN. Maybe it, do we advise that customers use AnyConnect and set that up so that it sort of future-proofs thing and you can run more protocols over it? Yeah. So the idea of AnyConnect is is mostly for when when you're using. Uh, fat clients, you know, you're using clients like Outlook or, you know, mm-hmm. anything that needs access to a server. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and if you have more applications that need access, then you want to use the AnyConnect client. Okay. Whereas if you just want to access, you know, browser-based, uh, app, you know, connections, you want to just connect to a web server and you just want to limit that user just to use only web, you know, then you can just use the clientless. Okay. And the, the reason why you would want to do this is um, by the ASA acting as a HTTP proxy, right? You are completely not allowing direct connectivity from that machine that the client is using. So it's a good isolation barrier for to prevent, you know, if that machine has malware or viruses or anything on it, by limiting the scope of 
what network access they have, and you're not providing them network direct network access, but through HTTP as a proxy, you can vastly reduce the potential attack vectors of that that uh, on that server, that internal server. So it's a good way to protect your network. Naturally, though, that that has limited functionality on what what proxies you can do, and then you may want to switch to the tunneled method where you're essentially putting that computer on the LAN. Yeah, and wh what you're going to see is just because we're proxying, you know, what we have to rewrite content, right? So we, we every time there's a web page that we're going to render to the browser, to the client browser, we have to rewrite it, okay. you know, what we call as mangling sometimes, you know. Okay. So that is... It, it's, it's not, it doesn't always come correctly. Sometimes that mangling maybe may not work for, let's say, new content, new HTML pages. Okay. Right? So that's something that you might run into. Okay. Cool. Thanks for being on the show. We well, appreciate I, it. I appreciate you guys' help all right. very thank much. You. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Well, thanks to all our special guests uh, today. That's been great. We are going to pack up this podcast equipment and go to the CCIE party which is being held on a battleship and we're going to have some beers and talk to some customers and hopefully talk some security uh, wait so we're, we're packing this stuff up i was just going to leave it for whoever was coming after us yeah it could be anybody like free free shirts and recording equipment thanks for listening uh check us out on cisco.com slash go slash tech security podcast uh we're doing some tweeting at uh cisco tech podcast is our twitter handle and you can email us at security show at cisco.com till next time thanks <laughs>